All right, how's everybody? Everybody good? Okay. So the Lord gave me a test run for something like this many years ago, 2002 to be exact. I was in Tirana, Albania when Jeff Bartel was a missionary there, and I was preaching at his Bible conference. And he told me before I came, he said, hey, I'm just telling you, the power goes out multiple times a day. So just be ready. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Well, sure enough, it was, uh, I was preaching at night, and it goes pitch black. And I stopped. Like, there's no power. And the people were so prepared, they pulled out cigarette lighters and flashlights, and they were all looking at me like, keep going. <laughs> so I've, I've had a little bit of a test run, but what a beautiful morning. I, I, I'm sitting here, and I'm watching just, obviously, the worship and, and just seeing the just seeing what's happening in discipleship. That's just, wow. <laughs> Man, power, no power. There is much power in that in terms of what God is doing. And that just, my cup is already overflowing. But I'm trusting everybody can hear me in the back. I'm, I'm projecting, okay, Scott gave me a thumbs up, so praise the Lord. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. Continuing our theme, all in, looking at, a discipleship snapshot today. Father in heaven, for your glory, uh, would you be glorified in this time? Lord, we know that your word is perfect. We know that your spirit is powerful. And so, Lord, we don't have an issue this morning. <laughs> We're going to meet with you. We're going to hear from you in ways that only you can speak to us. And I do pray for every, every heart, every set of ears, every mind listening this morning, that they would hear from you through me. For your glory we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever a company or companies look to expand into a foreign country, one of the things that's very important in the beginning is making a good first impression. Right? It's very, very important. Uh, KFC that we know here in the United States, when they expanded to China in the late 1980s. They got off to a very bad start. Their slogan, finger licking good, in Beijing translates to eating my fingers off. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's not a good translation. That's not what you're aiming for in a first impression. To their credit, KFC has recovered quite nicely. They are the largest fast food chain in China I think they have something like 5,000 restaurants in China, KFC, so job well done. But for years, discipleship has been a buzzword in the church. Everybody talks about it, you hear about it often, but when you examine what is being translated as discipleship today, for sure there's a mistranslation. Uh, something is not translating biblically. Today, we want to see a clear translation of true discipleship, and although it'll be a snapshot, I do believe that what God is going to show us will be enough to challenge us and sharpen us in this area of discipleship to make sure that when we say discipleship, that it actually translates to what the Bible says about discipleship. So we begin in Luke chapter 5 and in verse 27. And after these things, he went forth, and he saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. 
So this follows Christ's healing of a paralytic man and forgiving him of his sins. And of course, that was to the displeasure of the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus then focused his attention on a publican named Levi. Now, for those who might be unfamiliar with publicans at this time, publicans were tax collectors employed by the Roman government. And they were despised by the Jews. To call them dishonest would be a compliment. I mean, these men were crooks to the highest. They absolutely were. But when you compare... The calling of Levi here in Luke chapter 5 with what we see in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, we see that Levi and Matthew are one and the same person. And so that's what you're dealing with here. The name Levi means associated with him or a Christian. The name Matthew means given or a reward. In that, we're going to see a treasure of a discipleship picture. And I do mean a treasure. What we're going to see, though, is that it would have been impossible for Levi at this time to have not known who Jesus was. And it was very likely that he already had a relationship with him prior to this call. We'll unpack that here in just a moment. But in the Gospel of Matthew, in his Gospel, he refers to himself as Matthew. And here's the beautiful gem of a picture that we see in, this, in these names from, from Levi to Matthew. Uh, what happens is, is what discipleship does is it takes the believer who is associated with Christ and then transforms them into a Matthew, a gift, a reward. And what a gift we have in our New Testament called the book of Matthew. <laughs> what a gift, what a reward God has given us. But Levi was literally on the job when Jesus called him. I mean, he was in the seats of customs, and when Jesus engaged him, he engaged him about discipleship, very directly, very boldly, very unapologetically, follow me. That was the engagement. Now, this was in Capernaum, which had become ministry headquarters for Christ. And what you read before you get to Luke chapter 5 in the previous chapter, Jesus had healed a demon-possessed man in the synagogue in Capernaum. And after that, the Bible says the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. This is why it would have been impossible for Levi to have not known who Jesus was. I mean, his fame had exploded just in that area alone. But working for the Roman government as a publican in Capernaum gave Levi exposure to the people and to Christ. And again, this is why I do believe that it is likely that he already knew him and had a relationship with Christ. But you also see that in the way that he responded to the call. The obedience was immediate. I mean, to walk away from everything that he knew to, to follow Christ like that, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that he not only didn't know who he was, but that he didn't know him personally. But in this call of Levi, as it concerns discipleship, what I want us to see this morning first is the preeminence factor. Uh, this is your first blank. The preeminence factor, when we talk about that word preeminence, it just simply means to be first. And this is what we're seeing here, the preeminence factor. As it pertained to Levi, 
What was preeminent for the Roman government was the collecting of their taxes. That was first. That was preeminent for them. And they were even fine with publicans extorting people as long as they got their cut. Uh, so Levi and all those guys could do whatever they wanted to do as long as Rome got theirs, if you would. But as far as Jesus was and is concerned, uh, he must be preeminent in all things. Colossians 1.18. Now, this is what we're dealing with here. Listen, it wasn't that Levi or any other believer, for that matter, can't work. That's not the issue. Working is biblical. It's that working can never become preeminent. There can be nothing or no one that is preeminent. No one or nothing can be first except Christ. I was ordained in 2005 on Long Island, New York at the time, but before that time came, the Lord had made it clear to me years before then that this is what he had for me, that this was his call on my life, that this is what he had set me apart for, for his glory and the edification of people, praise the Lord. And so I'm so thankful that I get to do this. It is a treat, even in the hard days, and it, it's, and it's even more of a treat, if you would, to get to do it here, so to get to do it here under Sam, with Sam, and with the pastors that I'm blessed to serve with, this is a treat, I promise you. But in May of 2017, uh, Sam and I went to breakfast, and Sam sat down with me, and he, at that time he said, hey, I just want you to know, uh, MBT is ready to officially bring you on full time. And I'm like, oh man, praise the Lord, that, this is great, we've been praying for this and trusting the Lord for this, this is fantastic. And Sam said, you know, June 1st is the official date that we can do that. And again, if you ask me at the time, yeah, I'm, I am all in on that. You better believe I'm all in on that. Yes, that's, yes, let's do it. Except the company that I was employed by by the time distributed bonuses every year at mid-June and December. I'm all in, right? Yeah, praise the Lord. Yes, I'm, I'm all in on being on staff. God, this is what you have for my life. Yes, sure, I will be on staff after mid-June. <laughs> I, I even told Sam that. That was my initial response was, yeah, I, yeah, man, that sounds great around mid-June. <laughs> Sam's always gracious. Yeah, man, be at peace, whatever, but June 1st is the official date that we can do it. And the Lord began to deal with me. He did. The Lord says, listen, I, I have set you apart for this. This is my calling on your life. This is what you've been praying and trusting me for, and you're telling me you're going to delay it by two weeks so you can get a little bit more money? Wow. I, I, was, I was like, whoa. And not to mention, what testimony are you going to leave with by collecting your bonus at mid-June, and then you're going to walk out the door after that? As a matter of fact, when I resigned, I was told very clearly, Hey, just so you know, given the date that you're looking to resign, you, you won't be able to get your bonus. I even had a, a guy who was a believer come to me. He goes, hey, man, get your bonus and then leave. <laughs> I said, guys, let me tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ has only been faithful and gracious in providing for the Morgans. We have never missed anything. And to this day, I do not regret 
starting on June 1st. I do not regret walking out the door when I did. But the preeminence factor of the call is seen in that, listen, the call was not an invitation. Would you look at verse 27 again? Would you tell me, does verse 27 end in a question mark or period? Jesus wasn't asking a question. He was issuing a command. Follow me. That was the command. One of the most dangerous views, and this happens somewhere, this is how you know we have a mistranslation when it comes to discipleship because somewhere along the way, there are believers who really believe that discipleship is optional. When I read verse 27, I don't see anything optional about it because he wasn't asking a question. He wasn't inviting Levi into anything. He was calling, he was commanding him into something. The call was also an abrogation. That just means that this is formally putting an end to something. This is it. Uh, publicans were not blameless people. So Levi could not be a true disciple and a publican because he wasn't blameless as a publican. There was a call to put an end to that. There was a call formerly out of that. No one can come after Jesus Christ. This is so important. I've seen so many people trip in this thing called discipleship, but you have to understand when you're talking about true biblical discipleship, no one, absolutely no one, can follow Christ without walking away from someone and something. It's impossible. There's going to be something that you have to say goodbye to, something that you have to have. This is it. I am an abrogation. This is over. This is it. And this is where people trip because it's like, yeah, I, I, I want to follow Christ, but I want to bring this with me. I want to bring this person with me. No. Not at all. The call came with an expectation. Despite how radical and inconvenient, if not rude, that this might have seemed, Jesus fully expected Levi to follow him on the spot. That's clear. If you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, his will for you is to be saved. That's his will for you. He would have all men to be saved. He came and he died on the cross. He shed his blood for you. He was buried. He rose again on the third day so that you could be delivered from the penalty of your sin and have eternal life with him. Praise the Lord. That's his will for you. He wants you to receive that gift. But if you have received that gift this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then his expectation for you is identical to what it was for Levi. Follow me. This is it. And this segues into the next observation of this discipleship snapshot. Look at verse 28. And he, this is Levi, left all, rose up, and followed him. 
This is the obedience factor. Right? If we're looking at a snapshot, a true picture of discipleship, uh, you got to talk about the obedience factor. Uh, Levi's obedient response shows that he knew that Jesus meant business. Uh, he knew that Jesus was serious about this. Now, one of the ways, this is interesting, one of the ways at this time, if you had a love for money and you wanted to get rich, one of the ways to, to do that, uh, one of the tracks of that was to become a publican. I mean, it was. It, it, I mean, if you, if you wanted to get some cash, uh, if, if you could somehow become a publican, you were there or you were on your way for sure. And to walk away from it, especially the way that Levi did, the chances of coming back to it were like hitting the, the jackpot. No way. It was a coveted position. And Levi would have known that, but his response provides for us a true and beautiful translation of the obedience factor in discipleship that is applicable to all of us this morning. Would you notice that Levi surrendered? He, and it says, and he left all. This is the difference between a believer who is unwilling to follow Christ and a believer who comes after him as a disciple indeed. It's surrender. It's surrender. The believer who is, they're, they're saved, but they're unwilling to come after Christ, they have no problem with Jesus the Savior. No issues there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Man, he, he died for my sins. My gosh, he, he, he's made me to sit together in heavenly places. Oh, whew, I've got great fire insurance. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with, you know, man, I, I come to church whenever I can, can make that work. And I even tip every now and then. And I definitely don't miss, you know, Easter and Christmas. I mean, I'm always there for that. And, you know, I, I do what I can when I can. But when you talk about Jesus the Lord, that's the deal breaker now. Now when we talk about lordship, that, that, that's a deal breaker. I, I don't need Jesus running my life. I don't need Jesus calling the shots in my marriage. I don't need Jesus calling the shots in my calendar. I don't need Jesus calling the shots in my life. I, I got that. I just needed him to ensure that I don't die without him and spend eternity in hell. I'm not surrendering. Now, this is still going to be on my terms. Salvation on his terms. Discipleship? Eh. I'll see what I can do on that. Levi could not be a disciple indeed, listen, without surrendering his love for money. He had to sacrifice that. Would you listen? A lover of money is disqualified from being a disciple indeed. Why? Because Jesus says no man can what? Can serve two masters. You can't love money and be a disciple indeed. Forget about it. You can't. Levi could not serve the Lord with money as his master, 
Would you also notice that Levi ascended? Verse 28 says that he rose up. Levi might have physically rose up when he stood up from his booth, but don't miss it. He ascended spiritually. He was ascending. He absolutely was. Many would have thought that he was an absolute idiot. (laughs) You are a fool. Do you see the line to get this job? You see how many people want this position? Do you have any clue what you're walking away from? In their eyes, he wasn't ascending. He was descending. But if I can, let me give you an emphatic truth. Whenever we say no to the Lord, we start descending. Even if you think you are ascending, in time, the Lord will show you that for a very long time, since that decision, you have been descending. Right? You look at the book of Jonah. When when he disobeyed the Lord, the Bible tells you the direction that he began to go in. And what was that? Down. He began to go down. And this is how it works every time. Would you notice that Levi also worshipped? It says, and followed him. Jesus says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we have to get this. True worship is always rooted in sacrifice and obedience to God's word. Now, we, we, we worship this morning, and we did that in song, and praise the Lord, and I do believe that the Father was glorified. That is an avenue, or that is a way that we worship, but you can't reduce worship down to that alone. True worship is rooted in sacrifice and obedience to God's word. When Levi obeyed the Lord by walking away from that tax booth, it was an act of worship. Because it was obedience to the Lord. It was obedience to his word, to his command. Okay. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. Now this reinforces that Levi, in fact, was doing well. He was. Uh, The fact that he had the resources to put on a feast like this and he had the house to host it uh, shows you he was doing okay. Uh, Shows you what he was walking away from if you would. But in closing, here's what I want us to see. And this is important. I want us to see the benevolence factor. Uh, This speaks to the desire to do good. So publicans, what did they do? Well, they defrauded and extorted people. That wasn't benevolent at all. That's who he was. But Levi was no longer a publican at this point. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Those are two totally different people. And based on the turnout to this feast, it tells us there was a great company of publicans Uh, This informs us that Levi was probably a man of influence within the ranks of the publicans. He was probably a leader or a manager or who knows of some kind 
Because you don't get a turnout like this without being someone that people know, admire, respect, or whatever that might be. So he invited many of his former co-workers and others to sit down with him and his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting when Jesus called Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what did he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What is the first thing that we see Levi do when he walked away from that tax booth? He began fishing for men. It's the first thing that he did. I'm afraid that for some of us, it is the last thing that we do if we do it at all. That's grievous to the Spirit of God. All this week, we've been looking at being all in. As a church, we want to be all in on the Great Commission. Not two-thirds. We want to be all in on evangelism, discipleship, and missions. There should be no disparity in burden and intentionality between all three of those. But let me also be very clear. This is not a pendulum swinging agenda this week. Where we're looking now to swing the pendulum and everything's about evangelism. Well, that only produces a mistranslation of discipleship. Not at all. No, we just want to be equally burdened across the spectrum of the Great Commission. Does that make sense? That's it. That's why we had a deliberate focus on the Levi dinner this week. Uh, our neighbors, we had that set up, and last minute they canceled. But let me tell you what the Lord did. It was amazing. Uh, yesterday was a yard work day for me, so I'm out working in the yard, and my neighbor's out working in his yard. Him and his wife, had, we had planned to have them over for dinner Friday. They canceled, but he came over, and, and we started talking. We talked for about an hour and a half. It was fantastic. And the door was just, the Lord opened it as only he could, and I got to share with him just the difference that the Lord Jesus Christ has made in my life. Got to share my story. It was fantastic. And he even came inside for a little bit. And, and so we're going to stay connected. They want to reschedule for sure. They had something with their, their grandkids that came up. But, man, the Lord still worked. The Lord moved. It was, it was fantastic. It was awesome. Praise God. But in closing, let me give you four basic reasons. And, I, and then there's more, I promise you. Let me give you just four basic reasons why many believers do not evangelize. And I, I just want you to know, if, if, this is, if, if you are the person where your testimony before the Lord is, is I will disciple, I, I will go on a missions trip, I, I will pray for missions, I, I will financially support missions, yes. But your testimony is, I just do not evangelize. I just don't do that. I need you to hear from me very clearly. In the Lord's eyes, that is pure disobedience. So any more than discipleship is an invitation, meaning it's optional. Evangelism isn't either. What does the Bible tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about, about the word of reconciliation, about being ministers of reconciliation? Wasn't that committed and given to us? 
Was it offered to us? It wasn't offered. It was given. It was committed to us. Any more than than Jesus said, Levi, will you follow me? He didn't say to the church, nor does he say to the church, will you be ambassadors for me? Will you be ministers of reconciliation? Will you accept the word of reconciliation? No, no, no. So there is an expectation of obedience in this area. But listen, one of the issues, one of the reasons believers don't evangelize, listen, is an issue of identity. Identity. This is where we can become consumers in the church. So the Lord, his word, and his church, that all exists for me. And I love what this place does for me. I I love the services. I love my Sunday fellowship. I love my small group Bible study. I love discipleship one. I love foundations two and three. I love LFBI. I love all church retreat. I love mission focus. I love all of it. And that is all so good for me. But here's what Levi understood right away. That Jesus would be as beneficial to others as he was to him. I see this. Especially the older we get and the less we evangelize, we, we cross over and so now every, and so now we come and, now let me just, this, is, this will be a little family piece here, but you can see it. Right, maybe Sam's out of town and, and there's a, a growing, developing leader who's, who's filling in for Sam. Oh, 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 I didn't come here to hear him. Whoa. Oh, I hate when, I wish they would give us their schedule. I've heard this stuff, guys. I'm serious. Now, I was going to sweat anyway. (laughs) But the sweating this morning is a little next level. But I will say, I've been to Malawi. Pardon my grammar, this ain't hard, y'all. Amen? This ain't hard. This is nice, okay? But you follow me with, with the identity issue. You, you, you become a consumer. Here we go. An issue of indifference. See, if you allow yourself to become a consumer, you become your bottom line. And when you become your bottom line, there is no incentive for you to think or care about others. So how does it benefit me, you know, to think about others and and intentionally reach out and evangelize? I mean, that that doesn't do anything for me. So, I I mean, I don't, yeah, you've got family members, neighbors, coworkers, people in and around your life who are lost, but if you have become a consumer, you, 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 you following me? This is real, guys. Here's another one. An issue of intimacy. According to John 15, fruit is the byproduct of intimacy with the Lord. Listen, we will only be fruitful to the extent that we are intimate with Christ. This is the truth. And then finally, an issue of imbalance. 
Guys, we can get, and especially in a church like this, and listen, please, I want to make sure you hear what I'm not saying. I'm not dogging MBT. I love this place. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I love this place. But this is just something God has been dealing with me about as it pertains to us making disciples, just making sure that we stay balanced on the Great Commission. But what can happen with everything going on, and there is so much going on, we are not a dead church, are we? <laughs> We're not a dead church. But what can happen is, is we can get so inundated with discipleship and missions and meetings and you name it, all of it, that the truth is many of us don't even have time to evangelize. Like, I, I don't have time. Wait a minute. To get to the place in your life as a believer where you don't have time to evangelize, that, that's not a good place to be. Again, that's disobedience. And so again, one of the things that the Lord has teaching me about evangelism is that, again, it needs to be as much or as, it needs to be as natural of a part of my life as discipleship and missions are. So guess what? I think most of us eat dinner every night, don't we? I know I do, obviously, right? <laughs> we eat dinner. You know, what if, what if from coming out of this all-in focus, what if you and your family said, you know what? We're going to trust the Lord for twice a month to eat dinner with someone in our lives that need to hear the gospel. It, it, it's not another meeting on your calendar. You don't have to drive to Midtown. You're going to eat anyway. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do things like uh, you know, marriage retreats. And people get excited about that. And you should. It's great. You should come. But here's the thing. Be a Levi. You know what? As much as I know that I'll benefit from that marriage retreat, I know my coworker would. I've talked to him. I've talked to her. I know where they're at in their marriage. Right? You know what? That would be a blessing to them too. You're in conversation with someone. And they're talking about something. And man, it, it, it registers with what you heard on Sunday. You know what? Be opportunistic. You know what? I'm hearing what you're saying. Would you be okay if I sent you a link? My pastor was just talking about this yesterday. And I think this would really be beneficial to you. You follow me? Like, it just needs to be a part of your life. If, if, if you've been following the videos this week, you saw Pastor Ong talk about getting a burden for the lost, and he says, find, finding a fishing hole. Find a place. Listen, it, it doesn't have to be one size fits all. Man, praise the Lord. Many of you, you man, you, you get fired up to hit the streets and go out and, and, and talk to strangers just like that. Praise God. Some of you, like I said, you're like, never. Okay. But you could do a Levi dinner. You, you could make that your Bible study. What, what if your Bible study said, you know what? Uh, throughout the year, we're going to trust God for, for three specific fishing events. Uh, this is our Bible study. You know, that, we're going to trust God for, you know, just whatever that looks like. But you're intentional. Are, are you tracking with me? Let me close with this. 
We will never faithfully evangelize if we are not all in on the Great Commission. That's this week. That's this week. As a culture, we have to get to the place where our conversations, as it pertains to discipleship and missions, that our conversations about evangelism become that natural and that frequent. Where it's just part of our culture. Not looking to be a seeker church. We're going to water everything down. No, we're disciples, so guess what? We go. (laughs) Amen? Thank you. This is probably not the most comfortable message to listen to for a reason or two, but I think we got through it. Uh, I'm actually done at this point. I'm going to pray. I think we'll we'll have uh, some worship here as we close out. But let me just say, uh, if you're here this morning and maybe this is your first time and you're kind of saying, man, I'm not even sure where to start. It starts with you beginning a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what he desires. He loves you. And I know that he loves you because the cross tells me so. He died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day so that you could spend eternity with him. If you've not met him, we'll have people up front this morning to walk you through that and introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ, just like Levi introduced his former co-workers and friends to Christ. But for those of us who are, we're saved. This is your church. This is your home. Uh, What has the Lord dealt with you about this week as it pertains to being all in? Uh, Maybe for some of us, it's time for us to come this morning and say, Lord, I'm done with the excuses. Uh, I'm done with with being in bondage to fear. It would be better for me to be obedient and uncomfortable than to be disobedient and convicted. Okay, so maybe this morning it's time to come up and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to open my mouth (laughs) and I'm going to tell people about you. Amen. Lord, I want to thank you for this week. I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that that without lights and and microphones and all that, Lord, we were able to meet with you. You were able to meet with us. And I do pray that you would have your way in the hearts of your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.